1: That's stamps.com. Code Program. Farm Talk.
2: With Dairy Gold, Post Calver Gold, your trusted feeding partner for your dairy herd this spring.
1: On C one oh three.
2: Hello and welcome to Farm Talk. I'm Barry Umbehedi. The silent season is upon us despite the setbacks with weather. We look at quality and safety issues at this time. The Tagus Rural Economy Development Program is up and running. Fishermen and women came out in force in Cork this week, calling for changes to the EU fishing policies. The call has gone out for artisan, micro, and small food businesses to avail of the €5 million Leader Food Initiative. There's more on MACRA activities across Cork. And John O'Connor has the stories, making the angry news
3: this week. Farm Talk on C103. Planning permission is now being sought for a 120 million euro green hydrogen generating facility to be known as E1H2 in the Haddock County Cork. The facility, when operational, would remove 63,000 tonnes of the carbon emissions generated annually by Irish industry. Subject to planning permission being obtained and the project completed, the site would be one of the most extensive green energy facilities anywhere in the world, making Cork a leader in tackling climate change. Well-known Cork businessman, Mr. Pierce Flynn, who owns E1H2, estimates that 85 full-time direct and indirectly employed personnel would be required to operate the facility, subject to planning permission being obtained and the target construction being achieved. A provisional operation target date has been set for end of 2023. Mr. Pierce Flynn visualises that the green hydrogen produced by the E1H2, would create and sustain local jobs and also help the nation meet international carbon emissions and climate change targets in general. Globally, it's estimated that by the year 2050, green energy will supply 80% of shipping and 60% of aviation fuel demands, for the most part in the form of green ammonia. John O'Connor for Farm Talk.
2: The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConalogue, has welcomed the return of buyers to the rings of livestock marts all over the country and particularly in County Cork, while adhering to public health guidelines in relation to Covid. Online trading continues to be facilitated alongside the return of in-ring buying. Minister McConnel said farmers and mark managers in Bandon, Fermoy, McCroom, Skibbereen, and Canturk are delighted to return to the rings. Figures show cattle throughput in the first quarter this year was 94% against the same period January to March last year, while sheep throughput was 100% for the same first quarter compared with a year ago. Ireland's been deemed a negligible risk for BSE by the World Animal Health Organisation. Minister McConnell, said it's a ringing endorsement of the country's robust animal health, food and safety controls. The Minister said that he's hopeful the announcement will support what he describes as our world-class beef farmers and the wider sector. The Oireachtas Agriculture Committee met this week. One of the topics discussed at the online hearing was the return of Chagask education courses as the COVID restrictions are gradually eased. Tagus Director of Knowledge Transfer, Dr Stan Lawler, responded to a query from Cork Senator Tim Lumbert
4: about farm discussion groups. Um, obviously last year, COVID had its own issues regarding farm discussion groups. Um, great to see in many ways they reported to, to um, Zoom and other, other me, mediums. Um, have you started back on the practical footing of having those discussion groups actually at farm level yet? have you put a play, a kind of worker program in place that they all can be tied in together. Um, like the model is a very, very successful model, a very, very proactive one. Literally 12 meetings monthly, you'd have a different farmer every month, exchange of knowledge, knowledge transfer to key at a very, very practical level. And probably even getting at a cohort of farmers or slightly different generation. So, It has worked exceptionally well. I'm just wondering where do you see that going, in particular in the next two or three months, when do you believe it's actually going to physically start in the actual fields itself? And what do you believe is the actual future of that actual programme going forward? And where do you believe that programme is going to... Do you know, benefit the farming and the agricultural community going forward?
5: No, I think look at the farm discussion group model has been an evolving innovation within the delivery of, of, of knowledge transfer. I think over the last particularly, you could say 30 or 40 years, but certainly in the last 10, there's been huge advances made in that. And Chagos obviously have, have embraced it thoroughly in terms of the, our approach to advisory services is very much towards group group delivery models. That has advantages, I suppose, from the point of view of, of delivery. You know, you can reach you can reach more farmers probably quicker and faster with information when you, when you can group them together. But also. You know the feedback from the groups and there have you know studies done in terms of discussion group participation are very positive from the point of view of uh, you know what the farmers get out of it compared to maybe less contact on a one to one basis now there is a balance to be struck between one to one advisory contact with discussion groups you know there is that that personal level contact is still important and and we're still very aware that that's something we need to we need to continue to be able to to deliver successfully but from a farmer's perspective that group interaction uh, you know, both from the point of view of the peer to peer learning aspects that farmers can can share off each other's own experiences, and even the social aspects with the way society has gone, um, particularly pre COVID, you know, probably we're maybe less isolated when more people are working at home with COVID, but previous to that, the social aspect was recognised as being very important as well. How we have coped with COVID on that is, I suppose, as expected, when, when COVID arrived first, everything went online, and suddenly all of these discussion groups had to cope with how to use various. Um, various software and technology zoom and teams and and, and whatever else to um, to engage and we did successfully uh, uh, keep groups um, going uh, in in that context then towards the middle of last year as the restrictions eased we were actually back doing a lot of face-to-face group meetings again that returned online for the early part of this year but actually as of now we're actually back now starting to organize face-to-face discussion group meetings again. So and we would have been we would we are very conscious. Um particularly you know well established groups that know each other very well are probably less vulnerable, but certainly groups which are at their earlier stage of their development in terms of the, the social cohesion within the group and the familiarity between the farmers. You know, th- th- those um I suppose are more um strained when they're trying to depend completely on online delivery. But I think in the future you know uh, we have now probably uh, uh, you know farmers who are better trained and more open minded to the online to the online engagement i think we're very um, aware of the fact that there actually are some discussion topics that actually lend themselves quite adequately to uh, and well to to online delivery uh, delivery models uh, and you know, there have even been some innovations that I've noticed. Some advisors have, you know, in trying to keep the approach with discussion groups fresh through the, the the online virtual delivery. You know, changing things like the the timing of the group, shorter and snappier, more frequent. You know, there have been there have been evolving innovations there in terms of you know, in in agreement with with and take for, under the direction of the groups involved in terms of trying to keep it fresh and keep it alive. But I think in the future, uh, certainly. The idea that that you know there's probably scope for for for, for a, a blended approach where, you know, it's probably a little bit of a mix and match of both. But I think that that key face to face and the social aspects of it are are really very important as well. And even, you know, the 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 something that um, I think is even uh, relevant, you know, in terms of, you know, we've seen KT groups were supported in the in the previous round of cap and and. Um, uh, you know, there's there's opportunities maybe for, for, for that to be supported again, but, you know, the scope of those groups in terms of um, you know, it's not just about group meetings but even other other aspects of group activity whether it's, um, you know shared experiences of technology usage or even particularly more, you know the likes of, of the, the social aspects of groups in terms of trips away and things like that to, to, to broaden the, the everyday experience of the farmer, I think all of those things we see coming through loud and clear in terms of the way the, the groups um, continue to be very relevant and a very effective way to do knowledge transfer and I think they will continue in our, in our programme.
2: The Director of Knowledge Transfer, Dr Stan Lawler, responding to a query from Cork Senator Tim Lumberd at this
3: week's Oireachtas Agriculture Committee hearing. Mr Pat McCormack, President of the ICMSA, said that the new cap reform likely to be concluded is not just neutral, but actually worse than the present system. Mr McCormack said that, based on reports, we were headed towards a situation where thousands of farm families across the country would suffer substantial cuts to their direct payments and incomes, while having to meet new and unsurpassed levels of inspection and regulation. Mr McCormack said that based on what was being heard of now, we are headed towards fewer payments for much more regulation and absolutely nothing for meaningful sustainability. He said the current cap proposals would deliver for consultants and people involved in enforcement and will critically undermine farmers unless changes are made. He said he's very concerned that the CAP debate is being hijacked, he alleged, by vested interests, including within government, who were intent, he alleged, on turning CAP into an unworkable environmental policy. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. Welcome
2: back. The Tagusk Rural Economy Development Programme is up and running. It's known as the Bovine project. John O'Connor is here to tell us more about it. And John,
3: from the title, it would appear to have a bovine connection. Bovine is a European project. The title stands for Beef Innovation Network Europe, and it aims to identify the grassroots needs of the 255,000 farmers who make up the European Union's bovine meat sector. And how does bovine aim to achieve this? The idea is to collectively develop practical solutions for the needs of these farmers, which can then be implemented on European beef farms. And as we know, there are 27 member states in the European Union,
2: so are beef farmers all of the 27 members of bovine?
3: So far, the following nine countries' beef farmers are participating in alphabetical order Belgium, Estonia, France, Germany... Ireland, Italy, Poland, Portugal and Spain. Each of the partners in the project is developing their own national knowledge exchange networks. And how is this done? By enlisting beef farmers themselves, of course, farming organizations, advisors, researchers, and other stakeholders. These will be connected across Europe by the overall project coordinator, Chagask, here in Ireland. All nine countries have appointed a network manager to coordinate the multiple stakeholders from the beef supply chain within that country to identify both the challenges their farmers are facing and any potential solutions they might have to address the needs of the other eight countries in the project. And John,
2: farmers listening to us here, how can they get involved?
3: If you are a beef farmer, advisor, veterinarian or any other stakeholder in the Irish beef supply chain, you can get involved by becoming a member of the Bovine Network. To join the network, please contact the following email addresses kevin at agspace.ie, all over case, or Richard. Dot Lynch at Chagas.ie, and those websites are Kevin at AgSpace.ie or Richard. Lynch at Chagas.ie, all lowercase. Listeners can also find out more information on Bovine by visiting the project's website at www.bovine.com. Lower hyphen EU dot net and various social media channels. It's possible also to view the very latest videos or new solutions for bee farmers on various videos and channels. There's also an onward link to YouTube channels. So is Bovine entirely funded by Tagus. The Bovine Project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme under grant agreement number. 862590. And there's extensive detail covered
2: in the May-June issue of the Tagus published clients magazine Today's Farm.
3: That's correct. Under the dry stock section in the Today's Farm magazine for Charles clients, Miss Maeve Henshin and Mr. Richard Lynch, Chargusk Rural Economy Development Program, look at the challenges and solutions to date all in the context of Bovine, a project seeking solutions for all European beef farmers. So, John, you might repeat
2: the main email addresses for beef farmers who'd like more information on bovine.
3: Certainly. The initial inquiry email addresses are kevin at agspace.ie or richard.lynch at chagas.ie, all lowercase plus a two-page spread article in the May-June Chagask clients' magazine Today's firm by Mr Richard Lynch and Miss Maeve Henshin, Chagask Rural Economy Development Programme. Thanks for that,
2: John. Fishermen held a major protest in Cork during the week, describing it as a show-and-tell event. Representatives handed in a letter to the constituency office of Antishek Hall Martin, calling for changes to the EU fishing policies, which they claim are making it difficult to earn a living. It's feared more than 4,000 jobs will be lost in the sector between those working at sea and those employed in fish processing factories. They say current quotas, administrative penalties and Brexit have had a major impact on the sector. C103 senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran met up with some of those who were part of the flotilla of boats which steamed up the River Lee from Roaches Point at the mouth of Cork Harbour to Horgan's Quay in the city centre. Paul O'Sullivan, Dina Busher and Scott Farrell
6: spoke about the issues on the quayside. I am fishing since I was 16, so 17 years. I live in Dingle and I fish out of Ballycotton. It's always difficult trying to navigate quotas, hours of rest, where we can be, where we can't be. Are we going to have people waiting for us on the pier when we get in to check that everything is our paperwork in order? It's not just a case of go out and catch fish anymore. It's as much paperwork as it is trying to catch. It's not just a job you go out and do for a good wage anymore. Red tape, we can do this, we can't do that, we have to have this amount of hours of rest. And, you know, a lot of these things are all practical ashore. But when you're out in the middle of bad weather outside, some of these things just aren't practical you know. I think what all fishermen want is just politicians that will actually go to Europe and argue for us instead of just taking the laws that Europe set out and saying okay that's what we'll do. You know it's a lot of other industries the government will actually go and fight for and but I think a lot of fishermen feel we don't have that in this industry. You know like I say we're trying to navigate laws and rules and Another, a lot of things don't get set out clearly for us either. We're not all well-educated men, you know. We're kind of the working class of, you know. And then we get books upon books of pages and pages of where we can fish, what mesh sizes, you know. I've known fellas getting done because their meshes have stretched on their nets and they haven't noticed it, or they've shrunk on their nets, and which puts them as fishing illegal fishing gear. But I think the new weighing fish on the quay now is what's upset everybody the most is it affects the quality we're selling. It's more hours of work when we're landing and the boys just want to get finished and go and see their families. It'll affect the lorry drivers that are going to have to sit on the pier, wait for us to weigh it all. And there's the cost of more ice to re-ice it. And then the fish buyers have to sell fish that's been sitting in this sort of weather on a quay for four or five hours while we weigh it. You know, it's... It just has a knock-on effect for everybody, and then the consumer isn't getting as good quality either. I
0: had a fishing trawler, the MFE LAO, Um She sank uh, two months ago, um, only two miles from shore. So it's, it was a huge loss for our family. Um, and the way things are now in the industry, I, I, I can't see us being able to buy or build another boat again and it it's a great passion of mine the fishing industry and I'd love to be able to go back into it um, but it's near impossible at the moment we we need more quotas and you know we're just we're constantly targeted by the authorities and it needs to stop the trawlers they're finding it difficult to hold on to crew at the moment so we were hoping that they could help with that and to look at the atypical working scheme again and um, yeah just the whole industry has to be re-looked at like so I have a good education I, I have a master's degree in translation and I did work experience in Brussels I know I have that behind me but no my heart isn't in that my heart is in fishing and that's what I want to do so we see how well other trawlers in other countries are doing you know that's they, just, they can land whatever they like and we're left to struggle.
7: I'm fishing since I'm 16. Fishing when I went into it was a lot more promising at the moment. No, I can't see any. There's no incentive for young people to get into it. Just every year they're making things tighter, quotas, restrictions. Our government aren't fighting our corner, just taking rules and regulations from Europe the whole time and, and just Brexit. We took the most of the burden sharing and French and Spanish vessels your seas the whole time and they got not they, they only took a very small percentage You
1: have two small
8: children who travelled up from Castletown Bear today, would you like to see them follow your footsteps?
7: I'd love to but at the moment it's not looking too promising but I'd hope if our government would give us, fight for us and go to Europe and fight for us, that there will be a future there, there's massive potential in the coastal communities of Ireland while all our fish stocks out there there's billions being given away every year and this government just can't see it.
8: A community like Castletown Bear, it's completely reliant on something like the fishing industry, isn't it? Oh, well,
7: everything revolves around it, everything. Even all up to everything, really, nearly everyone from all the Bear Peninsula is involved in the fishing. Not just Castletown Bear, <laughs> all the Bear Peninsula. So
8: if the fishing industry goes, I mean, you've, you're talking about loads of communities who are just in... Well,
7: definitely, yeah, definitely. Charity. of the community uh, revolves around the fishing. So it would be a devastating blow, yeah.
2: Fishers, Paul O'Sullivan, Dina Busher, and Scott Farrell at the protest in Cork this week.
1: Farm Talk on C103.
3: A nationwide road safety appeal for the silage season has been issued. With the silage season underway, the Irish Farmers Association, IFA, and the Road Safety Authority of Ireland, RSA, are appealing to drivers of farming machinery and other road users to share the road safely. With national travel restrictions now lifted and traffic volumes increasing, the roads are getting much busier. There are more people out walking, cycling and riding horses on the public road at this time of the year and these activities have become more popular during the current pandemic. Both organisations, IFA and RSA, want farming contractors and other drivers to remember this and to always be on the lookout for such vulnerable road users. IFA President Tim Cullinan said it's going to be a very busy time on farms in coming weeks as farming contractors bring in silage from across the nation. Both the IFA and RSA are renewing their annual appeal for motorists to be on the lookout for tractors, trailers and other agricultural machinery exiting from fields and farmyards and potentially concealed exits. The two organisations are also asking anyone driving farm machinery, especially on rural roads, to cut back on their speed and not get distracted and understand that around every corner there could be a neighbouring family or a friend out for a walk, for a cycle or maybe riding a horse. RSA and IFA say we all need to expect the unexpected because the road has become an ever-changing environment since the Covid-19 began. Meanwhile, Mr Sam Wade, Chief Executive Road Safety Authority of Ireland, RSA, said this is a very busy time of the year for farmers. The number of tractors and trailers out using the roads will increase dramatically. The RSA CEO is asking all drivers to be on the lookout for tractors, trailers and agricultural machinery. And he urges other non-farming road users that if you are travelling behind farm machinery, kindly be patient and only overtake when it's safe to do so. He goes on to say, farmers themselves should be aware of traffic building up behind them and keep left where possible and where it's safe to do so to allow other vehicles pass safely. Travel restrictions have only recently been lifted and drivers may be rusty because they haven't driven that much in recent months. Mr. Waite says it's important that drivers will recognise this, pay extra attention to the road and always be on the lookout for other road users. Drivers of agricultural vehicles are being reminded they are subject to all road traffic legislation. They are required to carry the appropriate licence and farm vehicles, are required to be taxed, insured and they must be roadworthy including fully operational lighting front and rear Farmers are also being reminded of the following safety tips. Plan and prepare for all work with machinery. Always allow adequate time for the job. Always practice the safe stop procedure. Reverse park safely, handbrake on, controls in neutral, lower all attachments, engine off, remove keys. Carry out regular checks and maintenance of all farm vehicles, particularly brakes. Never remove or modify guards in order to save time. Only use machines if you know how to use them safely and have received suitable training. Always drive at a safe speed and know your limits. A joint statement there from the IFA and RSA, Irish Farmers Association and Road Safety Authority of Ireland. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Adrian Curtin-Fanthiagos
2: joins us this week. We'll update some requirements for a number of farm schemes still running. The breeding season's also underway and, of course, it's silage time on the farm.
9: We start off this weekend out of a few bits caught here and there No Barry. Um, it's, starting to, it's starting to go late, but you know what, I suppose the year it has been, a lot has actually grazed the size of so it's still within good quality. Um, may, may, maybe not as good as what, let's say, early lads have caught at other times, but it's still reasonable enough. Um, the crops are um, probably a bit lighter than usual. We haven't had much to go on as of yet. Anything that has come in for testing with there for nitrate. It seems to be okay, but the one thing we will be worried about is if, if sunshine came or heat, that there might be an extra flush of nitrogen coming to it. If you're wondering, just dropping a sample to your local office, they'll be able to test it. Or, somewhere that can test for the and just check it if you're if you are afraid that it might be high. I suppose one or two there are kind of kinda of coming up there and more and more I suppose. machinery and stuff is getting bigger in yards and it's busy time it's gonna be even busier now that the soil is laid as you said, uh, Barry. So I suppose health and safety can kind of come into it a bit too. Look they big machines. They're going sometimes they might be going um on night time so you know, you just want to be careful around them. Give yourself time. If you have things organised before they can come, that you're not rushing yourself, maybe it's have your plastic got, have your um, tape if you're doing bales got. You know, be prepared for it. Don't be leaving things at the last minute. And, and look, contracts are going to be under pressure too with um, with the amount of work that has to be done. They're well behind all the then, right? Definitely, definitely
2: and yards, they should all be prepared well in advance.
9: Yeah, yeah, like, to you know, if there, if there are yards that need to be seeded if you storing, maybe, something uh, on general over the winter, maybe they need to be washed, have your plastic or whatever uh, laid out on it and your, like, the, some people might need to change the um, drainage pipe or whatever that they put in underneath to carry this effluent out. So, I suppose, have, have all those few small bits done to you no know, point doing it with the, lower than the air, and the push in the side it just was.
2: the breeding season for many i suppose it's well underway what's uh, your advice there at this stage
9: majority of farmers now it's there about three weeks into breeding season Some maybe under fourth um, so like uh, from what we've seen heard uh more are getting already, 90 percent calls have been submitted in the first three weeks which is good it's uh your target's 90 percent if you want to get your high Cavendish thought. Order in the next year, you really have to many, as many as you can. Big interest this year already came into the the second Bulls was a, a bigger issue, I suppose, or bigger. quantum issue. farmers was looking to, I suppose, increase their conception rates and stuff, and get get try and pick up cows as best as they can. The other thing there, I suppose, is uh, any cows that are cycling, maybe they need to be looked at, uh, be that they need to be scanned by a vet or handled. Maybe they need to be synchronised to bring them when bringing heat. One option they you know, some people doing is maybe if you have a 10-coe or a co that might be after and you just want to get it going, some people are inclined to put them on to once a day, Barry, um, just to speed them up, maybe to just less, less energy put towards milk, maybe a small bit more put towards fertility and they might actually start to show signs of heat at that stage.
2: Now, still a number of schemes out there that people need to be in tune with, Dairy Beep Scheme and, I suppose, Beam. What are the important or the key things that people need to know about these at this time?
9: Yeah, so look, i start with Beam. That's probably one that's been fairly topical all year. Uh, the extension is still there for people to apply. It's there till the end of the month, in the June, sorry. Uh, so if farmers are in a of art and need to extend their Beam, then you try and get it done as soon as possible. Uh, more, a lot of lads seem to be fairly okay to make, meet the regulations with it, so just keep an eye on it. Uh, you don't want to lose out by buy one month by just going and buying cattle, so you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Ring your boys or check what they have to say if you have enough capacity or not to buy animals. Dairy beef scheme a new one this year. Uh, that's for weighing dairy calves. That means you have to weigh calves at 12 weeks of age, so... Anyone that has applied for it will know the terms and conditions relating to it. But at this stage, no calves for They come to twelve weeks of age. If you're kind of cautious and you want to get them weighed, maybe now is an opportunity. You might get a good opportunity once of June there for bringing calves in to be dosed or whatever. And you can weigh them at the same time. It might be it kill two birds with one stone. Like and look, the other one there was the beef scheme for sucklers this year. The date's changed slightly in that. So any anyway, weights record have to be after the first of May. So. If you still have cows to weigh, get them, start weighing them now, if you're going to be weigh, weaning them shortly, maybe is, you should be getting them weighed before they're weaned. You have to have them weighed before they're weaned.
2: Another thing that farmers need to know about is completing the health and safety course in relation to the TAM's claim. That's important.
9: For last while, due to COVID and stuff, there was uh, no health and safety course being carried out or, or little of them. So they're actually coming back on again. So we're starting to run ones now from the... From June this year, so if you need to put in, if you've attended, you need to put in. You need to have a health and safety course, so contact your local office. They'll be able to put you on the list for it. Uh, they were accepting for a while uh, that they didn't require uh, health and safety course. They were just accepting no order or letter, uh, but they all have to be completed. So anyone that needs one, contact your local office. They space will you up quickly because look, there's a lot of people that require them. Times therefore not a while. So if it's if it's of interest or you have it, an application put in. Maybe it might be ideal to get it done if uh, if time is quiet or whatever for
2: And are these courses face to face now, Adrian? Are they still online? How are they being rolled uh, out?
9: They are going to be face to face. They'll be in classroom, I'd say, or maybe even outdoors, part of it just to get around the, the COVID regulations.
2: Adrian Curtin Tagusk, and DC, Dairy Gold Area Sales Manager in the Muskerry area, is with us to look at grass testing before cutting silage. And lots of farmers will be wondering if fertiliser spread has been used up or not, and how they'll know if it needs more time or if the nitrogen is used up.
10: The most important thing is to leave the grass uptake all the nitrogen that was applied very. It should be around 100 units of nitrogen per acre for first cut. Um, Then a silage ward would typically use up two units of nitrogen per day in normal May-June weather. With the current conditions i suppose it's hard to tell how much nitrogen the grass has used up to date so if you're anyway unsure of the nitrogen content of your grass you should test the grass for nitrates and sugars so this can be done in dairy gold and all you have to do is cut a few samples of grass at the height the more would be cutting enough to fill a three liter ziploc bag that would typically be found in your kitchen take this bag then to your local branch or contact your area sales manager and they will organise it to be taken to Lumber zones. So it's very important to put your name, account number and phone number on the bag. And then this the, the lab will then process the grass sample and takes the results to both the farmer and your area sales manager. So then your area sales manager basically contact you and um discuss it. So then just on the results, um, essentially when you're preserving a silage pit, basically it's a battle between the sugars and the nitrates is the easiest way to think about it. So the sugars, the most important result really, um, you should be aiming for 3% or minimum 2.5%. So the sugars are bright, are highest on, on bright sunny days and cool nights. And uh, if you dry the grass through wilting, um, this will make the sugars more concentrated in the grass, allowing the soil to stabilize at a higher pH. So these sugars then are used to feed the lactic acid bacteria that ferment your grass and make a good quality silage clamp at the end of the day. So the nitrates in this figure is basically an indication of how much nitrogen fertilizer the grass has taken up and if it needs more growing days to use up the nitrogen it has received. So And the growing days as well, um, the DMD will suffer um, as you leave the, the, the crop standing. the DMD will suffer negatively. So ideally the nitrates figure will be below 500. Um, if it's above 500, between 500 and 1,000, you'll need to wilt the grass for a minimum of a day, 24 hours, or have a high sugar to compensate for it, above 3%, really. Um, then, if the nitrate figure is over 1,000, ideally it wouldn't be, Most you should leave the grass growing for another few days, as it has not used up the nitrogen. So, the sugars and nitrates are outside these desired ranges, An additive can be used to safeguard, I suppose, the silage preservation. Testing grass before the cutting is the only way of knowing if you're within or outside the the parameters, really.
2: Now, as you've already mentioned, Finian, about using silage additives, when should a farmer consider introducing the additive?
10: So, I suppose, a farmer really should consider if they're unsure about the sugar levels, or if they think they're low, or if they think preservation could be an issue on the day. So, the silage additive that we use in Dairy Goal is eco so, BOLAC produces the EcoSoil range of products and it is the most, most supporting uh, trial work behind us than any other additive worldwide. So, there's a liquid or a dry application available and both can be used on, on any applicators, on roam balers or soilage harvesters. You just have to ask your contractor uh, which one suits them because they all of different types. Both liquid and dry farms contain a special strain of bacteria um, and it's MTD number one it's called. Um, It is a strain of lactobacillus plantarum that produces large amounts of lactic acid bacteria quickly and efficiently. And it's effective over a wide range of pH temperatures and dry matters as well. They'll also guarantees to deliver one million of their unique bacteria per gram of grass, leading to a rapid fall in pH of the silage. And it just brings about a faster and more efficient fermentation once once the additive actually hits the silage.
2: And what are the costs of using these silage additives then?
10: Look, it's depending on the on the crop and stuff that's in the field. But look, just dinner and um, rule an average first cut that wasn't grazed at the moment is coming out at about 12 tonnes fresh weight per acre. Um, and let's say, just for an example, if the farmer was cutting 50 acres of first cut, it would be in the region of €14 Euros per acre that the additive would cost the farmer if he was in dairy gold. Or about a euro twenty um, per tonne of fresh grass, so the value is quite good in relation to the cost. Of, I suppose overall cost to farmers. Let's say when you're guaranteed that it'll speed up fermentation, reduce the protein breakdown, it's not too bad cost wise. And then I suppose if the sugars are around two percent below the two and a half percent, really, it would be advised to use the additive, and it just basically helps the lactic acids to preserve your silage
2: Finney in D. C. Gold, area sales manager in the Muskerry area. Enterprise Ireland's encouraging companies in County Cork to start planning now for a green future. A webinar series on green supports to help Irish businesses transition to the low-carbon, resource-efficient economy of the future has been announced. The first webinar on Thursday, June 1st at 10am will focus on the food and beverage sector. And to register, go to globalaction.ie and follow the links.
1: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work.
3: As we approach the first anniversary of China's suspension of Irish beef imports, the ICMSA has requested renewed effort be made towards a full reopening of the Chinese market for Irish beef. Mr Des Morrison, chairperson of the Association's Livestock Committee, said farmers and processors alike want to know just exactly how much progress has been made towards the full reopening of the market and that information, he said, was categorically required. In a matter of days, it'll be a full year since the Chinese government suspended beef imports from Ireland, Mr Morrison points out, due to an atypical BSE case in a 14-year-old animal. At that time, and on several occasions since, we've been assured the matter is progressing towards resolution and the reopening that Ireland's beef sector requires for the Chinese market. Mr Morrison says that the ICMSA does not think anyone can accuse farmers of being impatient on this question. But at this stage we think that an update is required and farmers need to hear from the Department of Agriculture and Food and agencies concerned where the negotiations are actually at and when we can expect the Chinese market to be reopened for Irish beef. And that's part of a statement there from Mr Des Morrison, chairperson of the ICMSA's Livestock Committee. John O'Connor for Farm Talk.
2: New research from Tagus shows the early 2020 lockdown boosted confidence in cooking and preparing healthier meals and could offer teachable moments to promote healthier eating long term. The study was based on an online survey of 651 adults in Ireland and published in the Irish Journal of Agricultural and Food Research. Changes weren't all positive as enjoyment of shopping plummeted with consumers saying it had become more stressful, time-consuming and frustrating. But the question now is will these newly adopted behaviours continue or will people revert to pre-lockdown when the pandemic ends and they have less time at home? Irish Local Development Network, representing Ireland's 49 LDCs and the 35 who deliver the Lever programme nationwide, have joined the call from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine in urging artisan, micro and small food businesses to avail of the €5 million leader food initiative. Maura
11: Walsh of IRD Dohello has been telling me more about it. We're looking for all existing businesses, uh, anybody that's already in the food business. So they have to be like food, uh, artisan food, uh, adding value, manufacturing, you know, not just food shop you know it, it has to be a bit more and it's all food it's everything from raw meat to ice cream to whatever cakes chocolate the lot so we're looking for all of those we're also would be welcoming new food businesses people that might have new food ideas for for manufacturing uh we want them in the Duhalo area but if they're not in the Duhalo area they're very lucky because they have another leader group that they can go to and if they come to us we can tell them which one is the, the one that represents them So it's good news and it's especially good news because this fund is held centrally. So while Cork did very, very poorly out of leader, um, you know, we're we're regarded as a county and we don't get that much more than counties that are only a fraction of our size, our budgets for regular projects has been very small. I mean, we would have business applications where we would have, they would have been entitled to get 200,000. We would love to have given them 200,000, we could barely give them 40 because of the poor size of our budget, but if they come to us for a small food uh, project, they can put in a 200000 grant and it's at now at 75%, which is amazing. This is, I would say to all people involved in food, this is a once in a lifetime. Uh, The 75% came about because of COVID and because of the difficulties, the government recognised the difficulties business are in, Um, and they've upped the grant rate to the same as a community or a charity would get. So it's at 75% which is amazing and it's 200,000 so go for it.
2: And it's not just the financial end of it I guess Maura that there will be plenty of
11: supports and hands-on there
2: afterwards as well.
11: Absolutely, absolutely. It can be anything from capital to, no if you are looking at extending premises or putting up new premises you have to have planning permission that's and you have to you have to own the ground you have to have your deeds you have to have all that in place So that's that's important. But uh, for equipment, anything like that that you can buy quickly, no problem. Uh, Mobile equipment is not eligible. So, you know, whatever, a new van for delivering, unfortunately not. um, So that I don't lead people astray. But it would be ideal now for people that want to upgrade their equipment. Also, get online, maybe for e-marketing, for people that can order stuff online and have it sent out to, you know, wherever around the country or around the world indeed, uh, that's all fundable as well.
2: Maura Walsh of IRD, do hello. And the call has gone out to Artisan Micro and Small Food Businesses to avail of that €5 million Euro leader food initiative. For our weekly update on MACRA events in Cork, we're joined this week by Aisling Walsh, PRO Shandoon MACRA.
8: This week was a busy one for Shandoon MACRA. As our YFTG officer, Kevin Smithy started off the week with a Snapchat takeover for Cork County Mockra. Kevin who is the chairperson of Glamire Mockra recently moved to Kildare and he was delighted to show us his new workplace based in Wicklow. He did a great job and answered lots of questions also. Well done Kevin. A really informative takeover. This week also saw Jigsaw give us a mental health talk. This was organised by our rural Youth Officer James Cassie. Thanks a million James for organising a great talk. Thanks in particular to Tanya and to Chloe, who gave up their time to give the talk. It was a brilliant talk. It was a really relevant talk to today. We really enjoyed it. Thanks a million, Tanya and Chloe. We also have contact details for Jigsaw if anyone would like them. They'd love to give other talks if any other Macra is interested in organising one, we'll get, get in touch with us. Elaine Houlihan, Munster VP and former Munster VP, Sean Wallace will be engaged in an 11 weeks to 11 peaks um, challenge where they will meet Munster members along the way. This is, is an aid of air ambulance, all support to be welcome. Make sure to join them as they travel through Munster. The link to donate can be found on Elaine Hoolahan Munster VP's page. This week also saw Pat Cashman from Gold Crop give us an agri-talk, which was organised by our YFTTG officer Kevin Smitty, spoke to us about reseeding and its advantages, what is all the talk about clover these days, the recent trial on reseeding methods, and what's new in grass varieties. There's also a question and answer session, polls, and one or two spot prizes on the night. Thanks a million to Kevin for organising the talk and to Pat for giving up his time to give the talk.
2: Now, thanks to Ashling Walsh, PRO, Shandoon Bakra. Thanks to John O'Connor for co producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Calf Milk Replacer, offering a wide range of calf milk replacers to suit your calf's needs.
1: On C103.